0: To warfare, and uh, it's it's the the battle that you cannot see that is hardest to win, and we, we, we went through some verses last week that, that spoke specifically about the weapons of our warfare and how they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God, the pulling down of strongholds, and, and we're going to learn, we're going to dive deeper into what the Bible says about the the, the, the place where the devil oftentimes will plant the seeds in our lives that will open the door uh, for him to operate in our lives where we should be shutting those doors. Uh, now, I want to say this to make it very, very clear. Uh, we believe the Bible here at this church. And so the devil is not an allegory. The devil, look, you can't say hey, you believe in God and then the God gives you his book and you go, well, I don't believe that. Uh, you, have to, you have to either believe it or not. And so uh, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, you take every word of God as truth, right? And so when the Bible describes our enemy for us, it's important for us to learn what the Bible says about our enemy. Uh, look, if you would, at 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And uh, you live in a day and age where people kind of joke and laugh about the devil, it's not a laughing matter at all. Uh, by the time we're done, I hope to show you that, that he is not at all uh, more powerful than the Lord. We understand that. Uh, he, is no, he does not have unbridled, unlimited power. Uh, but just because you are a born-again child of God does not mean you're not going to have battles on your hands. A- as a matter of fact, you know, the people that got closest to the Lord uh, in the Word of God... Look at the Apostle Paul. He talks about a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him in the flesh. All right, You know what that means? That means if you're going to serve God, you're going to have some fights on your hand. Now, let me say this. Those that would say, well, I don't want to serve God then, you're still going to have fights. The, the difference is you're going to be on the right side of the fight. All right, so, so it's better to serve God. It is better to have problems in a worthy cause than to have problems without the worthy cause. You're going to have problems in this life regardless. You might as well be doing it for a worthy cause. So I, I do want to speak uh, this evening, starting off, just talking about a couple things about our enemy. I want you to to get to understand and know the devil, uh, not necessarily to understand how he thinks, because I don't think that's an appropriate thing to do. I don't think we should want to understand. Th- listen, I'll say it this way. There are some things that you should not want to know. Yeah, right. uh, I think it's dangerous if you get addicted to you know, those criminal shows where all they, do, they show is people you know, killing people and then how the killer do it. and how Now, you may go, well, that's no big deal. It's just fantasy. Uh, yeah, but that stuff does happen. And what you're watching over and over and over and over and over is a replay of something that you don't want to happen in your life. It's, it plants seeds. What I'm getting at is this, is that this stuff that we're dealing with in the world today is real, and the devil is real. And you as a Christian, even though you don't need to know everything, you don't need to be di- diving in a trash can looking for a treasure, so to speak, you need to know enough so you can fight the, ba- the, the battle the right way. Look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and look if you would at verse number 20. But in a great house, this is the household of God, that Paul is talking about this is the 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 church the 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 body of Christ if you will in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver but also of wood and of earth and some to honor and some to dishonor uh, it shows you that say people have a choice whether I want to be a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor is up to me all right look if you would at verse 21 if a man therefore purge himself from these, from what? The, the vessels of dishonor. You know what that means, Christian? You need to learn to cut off certain people. It doesn't mean like you're a Pharisee, like I'm better than you, but rather there are some places I don't want to go to anymore. There's some habits I want to get away from, and therefore I need to have some separation between me and those former relationships. Does that make any sense at all? All right. So, so he says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel in honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared on every good work. Flee also youthful lust. That means run. There are some things that you don't need to stick around and fight for. You just need to tuck tail and run. You say, Pastor, you want me to be a chicken to run? Absolutely. When you're in a temptation, run for your life. That's the only way out. He doesn't say to fight there. He says flee from that. Flee youthful lust. But follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. In other words, surround yourself with the right people if you want to have a shot at fighting this thing in the right way. Now, look what he says in verse 23 But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strives. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Uh, this is, if you want to help people, you've got to learn to be patient. Amen. In meekness, watch this, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure, that means if God may be, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. What does repentance to the acknowledging of the truth bring? Look what it says in verse 26. And this was all that I was trying to lead up to. Look at verse 26. That they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. You know what the context is right here? It's not lost people. It's saved people. That they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by who? At whose will? You see... Satanic power is not poltergeist, you know, and the little kid, you know, uh, you know, seeing dead people and, you know, the green vomit and all that kind of weird. That's Hollywood. Uh, the devil's power in your life is to keep you stuck in sin. The devil's power in your life is to keep you stuck in bitterness, unforgiveness. The devil's power in your life is to keep you stuck in the past. Can I get a witness? He doesn't want you moving on to where God wants to take you. So you as a Christian, even though you're a born-again child of God, you need to understand that your enemy is real uh, we're going to learn about that tonight. Lord, we come to you tonight in the name of Jesus Christ, and we thank you so much for the opportunity to open up the Word of God. I, Lord, I just pray that you would help me, Lord, to be a spirit-filled preacher and help these listeners to be spirit-filled listeners. And, Lord, I pray that there's anyone here that isn't saved. Lord, they don't know where they're going when they die. They're not sure, Lord, that heaven is their home. They don't know what it means to have the Holy Spirit live within and bring that comfort and bring that peace and bring that assurance that that doesn't come through religion. It comes through relationship with you. God, if they're here without you, I pray that tonight would be the night of their salvation, that they might be saved. And Lord, I pray for every believer in here tonight, Lord, to understand that this is a real battle that we are facing. Lord, it's not a battle of politics or Democrats or Republicans or any of that stuff. Lord, it is a spiritual battle. We have a real enemy, Lord. Would you help us, Lord, to be prepared for this fight, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Be seated if, I would. if you would. Let me, let me say this. You as a Christian should desire to know God first and foremost. Um, Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul does not say, I want you to get to intimately know the devil. Right? That's not the goal tonight. Uh, at the same time, you need to look at what the Bible says about him because as you do get closer to the Lord, you are going to encounter, the, as the Bible says, the fiery darts of the wicked one. And anybody here uh, experience this at all? You get saved, or you get right with God. You start coming to church, uh, start living right. You decide maybe you know I'm gonna I'm gonna start giving out tracks, or I'm gonna I'm gonna start tithing. I'm gonna I'm gonna get plugged into my local church, and then all of a sudden stuff just starts happening all around you. You're like, man, what's going on? Can, can I say that? that that's not uncommon at all. Uh, That's very common. Uh, If you study the Bible, those that walk with God experience that. And if you're going to walk with God, you're going to experience that as well. Can I remind you, the, the the most perfect, the sinless man, the man that never sinned, that walked on this earth, experienced fighting with the devil as well. And you'll notice that he never said, well, I think, or, or you know what, uh, devil, you're, you're going to lose in the end. You know all, all he does? He quotes scripture, he quotes scripture, he quotes scripture. You know what that shows you? The power's in the word of God. As we look at tonight, uh, starting off with the power of the devil, and I, I want to go through a couple of things. I, I want you to understand that the devil wants to imitate God. He wants God's position. He wants to exemplify that he has power like God does. Uh, But you as a Christian, rather than... I'll say it this way. There are, uh, the Bible says, to be simple concerning evil. Do you believe that? You know what that means? That means you don't need to go any further than the Bible to find out about your enemy. That means you don't have to go digging on the Internet. I know I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, to learn about all the secret, you know, uh, the secret societies and the evil things going on in the world. Can I ask you a question? Why do you want to learn about that? History? All right, well, let me ask, let me ask you this, sister. If it was just history, in regards, to that, uh, in regards to that, if the Bible tells us to be simple concerning evil, and those are evil things, maybe not go too far into that. Because there's some things, even historically, that you can learn about, and the Lord's like, hey, look, I don't want you digging in the trash can. Uh, It's good to know about history, but I'll tell you this right now. I'm convinced that most Christians today that, that fish around that stuff, what ends up happening is this. You become an intellectual powerhouse, and you know a lot of things, and what ends up happening is it doesn't sink down into here. If I can tell you about the secret societies, what does that do for my personal walk with Christ? Nothing at all. You know what it does? It makes you heady. It makes you high-minded. And it makes you, you know what? It makes you puffed up. And so what you end up doing is go, look what I know. Well, do you know who started there and fell down from heaven? for himself. So you got to be careful about knowledge. There's nothing wrong with knowledge, but it needs to be the, look at uh, Proverbs chapter 9. Look at Proverbs 9. Let me tell you what I mean by this. I want to balance this out. I think sometimes you start talking about demonology and, and, and the spirit world. Uh, you know, there's some people that are like, man, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. And the next message is about your tongue and about gossip. Well, I don't need that right now. Well, there's more of the devil in your tongue than anywhere out in the world. You understand that, right? All right. Uh, look, if you would, at Proverbs chapter number nine, Proverbs nine. I, I believe in practical teaching and preaching. You know what that means? Even when you dig deep in a doctrine, and you talk about the deeps, and you talk about uh, seven mysteries and all that. You need to look at it and go, how does that apply to my life? Uh, look at Proverbs chapter number nine, Proverbs chapter nine. look if you would at verse number ten. Proverbs nine verse number ten. The fear of the who the Lord. is the beginning of what? The and the knowledge of the what 's the next word Holy. is understanding. You want l- listen, do you know the FBI and federal agencies with the, I, I read about this guy who heard about a preacher mentioning this, and so he 's a Canadian. God bless Canada all right he 's a Canadian. <laughs> And O Canada, he's Canadian, and so they don't have the FBI. They've got some different counterfeit, you know, thing up there, a counterfeit unit of the government that looks at currencies that are fake and bills that are fake. And so he says, I heard this illustration that a preacher mentioned, and the preacher said this, and I'm going to tell you what it is tonight. The preacher said, I believe this, it's true. uh, If you look at how the FBI does it, they will have you sit down and study a real bill, $100 bill, and look at it and look at the feel the texture. And look at that little strip of, uh, that little magnetic strip that's in there, you know, almost invisible to the eye. And the colors, the water stamp that's on the other side, and you flip it over, look at it in the light, and look at this, and look at that. They'll have you study the real thing. They don't have you spend hours studying a bunch of, you know how many fakes there are? There's so many fakes, you would never know the real thing if you didn't study the real thing first. And so as a child of God, what you need first and foremost is the knowledge of the holy. You knowing who God is will let you understand that how he operates is different than how the devil operates. I'm going to show you a little bit how the devil operates in in regards to power uh, versus how God operates in regards to power. Uh, But before I do that, let me just give you a little bit of a recap. Uh, When we go back and we talk about the origin of the devil, uh, here's what you to understand. When the Lord was creating the earth, Job chapter 1, it says the sons of God shouted for joy. So you know what that means? The devil was among them. He was among those angelic beings. We looked at that before, Job 1, Job 37. So before the Lord creates the world in which we live, the devil was already there. Now, he existed before as uh, Lucifer. In the Bible, he's called the devil, Satan, the dragon, serpent, and so on and so forth. Uh, But when he starts out, he's Lucifer. You say, what is Lucifer? Well, that's a Latin word, lux, luz, in español, luz, light bearer. So you know what he does? He transforms himself into an angel of light. So he, he he looks like the right thing, uh, he says the right thing, he he knows how to craft things. He's very subtle. When he shows up in the garden, guys, I want to be honest with you. I think sometimes people paint the the, the serpent uh, uh, looking like this nasty, slithery creature that was on the ground. That's not how he showed up to her in the garden. Uh, I don't think. I think for sure if she saw that. She probably would have freaked out, and that's not exactly how that went. Uh, he transforms himself into an angel of light. So so he, he does that for a reason. He wants to imitate God. Uh, the Bible says, in him is light. There's no darkness in him at all about God. You know what it says about Jesus Christ? I am the light of the world. Yeah. So you know what you have? You have a counterfeit. Listen, uh, the Lord has a bride. The Lord has a church. The devil has a bride. The devil has a church. All right? These are things all throughout the Bible that you're going to see where the devil wants to counterfeit the work of God. And the devil's probably not going to show up in your life, you know, like I said, but with some Hollywood type of thing, with someone growling and foaming at the mouth, more than likely the devil's going to show up if you're a young man with, uh, as, a, as an attractive woman. And all the guys are like, yeah, yeah, you get him. <laughs> or if you're a young lady as a smooth-talking dude. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Come on, can I get a witness? Give me one. All right, there we go. All right. Uh, You know, I mean, I mean, the devil knows how to show up to you. He's not going to do it like you think he's not going to show up like the Hollywood, like like the movie show him. Uh, And and so the devil counterfeits God. And so what he wants to do is he he wants to counterfeit the power that God wants to give you as a believer the right way. Do you realize everything in your life? There's a way to get it the right way and the wrong way. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is in life. You talk about money, there's a way to get it. It's called, uh, there's a certain uh, wh- a program out there called J-O-B. And if you go and do this J-O-B, they're going to give you money. A- anybody ever tried it before? It's an amazing program. It keeps you alive, puts food on the table. Uh, and, and so, you know, the devil says you don't need that. Shortcut. Well, maybe you just cut a corner here and cut a corner here and cut a corner here. And Well, I'll give 10% to God, so it doesn't matter. No, don't, don't play that game. Like, God, God looks at that and sees what it is you're trying to go after, and the devil goes, oh, that's what you want? Here you go. You see, everything in your life, there's a right way and a wrong way to get it. And, and most of us want it. I'll tell you one thing right now. It is very frustrating to go from being able to run every day to limping. Why? Because you, people generally want to have power on their own. I want to say, I can do it. I've got the, I've got the power. I, got, like, I, I can do it, right? Well, we want that, but there's a right way and a wrong way to get it. And, and 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 as it relates to the power that the devil gives, let me say this much: uh, satanic power is real. But uh, I'll give you an example. Look at look at Acts chapter number eight. You know what I, I learned about when the devil gives someone po- gives someone power? When he gives someone power, it's selfish. It's I want it. I mean, think about the temptation he comes to Jesus Christ with. If you bow and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. Well, why would that why would that have appealed to Jesus Christ? Because He's going to get it someday. That would be power that would be his, right? And so look at, look at Acts chapter number 8. I'm going to show you about a man in the Bible uh, who wants the power but doesn't go about it the right way. Acts chapter number 8. You say, what is this? This is power that's devilish. All right, Acts chapter number 8. And if you're familiar with this passage, there's a revival that, uh, that broke out uh, and uh, in this place. And uh, eventually Philip is called uh, to go to preach to the Ethiopian eunuch as well. But look at Acts chapter 8, and uh, look if you would at verse number 9. But There was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest. He had all the followers on Snapchat, all the followers on Instagram, everyone, uh, so many subscribers to his YouTube channel, saying this man, th- watch it, this man is the great power of who? Counterfeit. Now, now, it's going to get exposed for what it is in a little bit. Look at verse number 11. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. And when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon also believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now, here's what you got. You got a guy that makes a profession of faith and says, I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want to be baptized. I want to be identified with the life of Jesus Christ. But then he's got the old life. I want to express something to you guys. Just because you get saved doesn't mean everything about your old life is automatically gone. Some of you have got some issues you need to deal with, and if you don't deal with them the right way and just say, well, I'm saved, it's under the blood. It's under the blood as far as your soul and eternal destination is concerned. But can I say this? If you were selfish before you got saved, and you had selfish tendencies, and you grew up selfish, you may have to work on that after you get saved. And if you had a problem with lust before you got saved, you have to work on that after you get saved and right with God. These things don't The Bible says, will every man be a new creature in Christ? That's talking about the inside, <laughs> Not necessarily all the tendencies of your life. Those are things that have to be submitted, listen to me very carefully, to the power of God, not your own power. (laughs) So so the idea is this, is that this guy Simon gets saved, but he sees that Philip is is healing people, laying hands on them, healing the sick and all that, and look what happens. Look at verse uh, number 14. When the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John. Who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them; only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Another Bible study for another time, but it shows you that it's all different in Acts, right? Because in Acts 2, they get baptized, then they get the Holy Spirit automatically. Here it's a little bit different. Now, look at you at verse number seventeen. Then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw, watch this, that through laying on the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them. Now I know what you're thinking. What a jerk. You know why he did that? It's because it's that's how he got stuff done before he was saved. You have to learn that after you get saved, you can't do stuff the way you used to do it and expect the same results. You're, you're born again child of God now. Things are going to be different now. Is this making any sense? So, so look what happens here in verse number eight, 19. Saying, give me also this what? That on whosoever I lay hands he may receive... The Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Let me just say this much. Peter never treats him like a lost person. So I'm not going to treat him like a lost person if Peter, who was there, didn't treat him like a lost person, okay? So we're going to go with the fact that the scriptures lay out for us that this man got saved, got baptized. But he looked at how power was given. He goes, I want that. And he went about it the way he would have under the old life. And the lesson is you can't do that anymore. And so what happens? He's smitten with blindness. Uh, Look, if you would, at verse uh, number uh, 24. Then answered Simon and said, pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. And they, when they had testified and preached the word, the Lord returned. It's almost like after this, there's no more story. It's like, that's it. Now, here's what I'll tell you about this. Here's the idea. the whole, All of this was, was said to say this. When you go about trying to get power the wrong way, it is satanic and it's selfish. The way that Peter treated him, look, notice what he says here in verse number uh, uh, 21. Thou hast neither lot nor, uh, part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right with God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee man you know what he's addressing he's addressing the fact that man there's something going on within his what within his heart that isn't right how he's approaching power now in light of that look at acts chapter number one you know what uh, satanic power is i want to rule over somebody else i want to exert my authority over them and I, and i'll go about it he means that i need to get it and the lord says that's not how you do it So a husband and a wife have problems, and you know what they do to each other? They manipulate each other. Now, you may think, well, that pastor is just a work of the flesh. Maybe, but maybe you might be opening a door for someone else to call in your marriage. You ever think about that? That when you try to uh, usurp, you basically take authority that God doesn't give you or abuse that authority if you are in a position of authority and manipulate other people, that's not a trait of Jesus Christ. That's a trait of the devil, (laughs) Look if you would, Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number one. Look what the Lord says here, Acts chapter one, and look if you would at verse number eight. But ye shall receive power. You want power? You know how you get it? You get it when you get saved, and the Holy Spirit is given you. You get it as a Christian every day that you live your life and submit yourself to the Spirit of God. It's when you tell your flesh no and you say yes to God. The Spirit of God, uh, He must increase and I must decrease. And you are filled, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. You are then filled with the Spirit of God. It's not that you get saved again. It's just that there's more room for Him to work in your life. You have left more empty space for the Lord to do what He has to do in your life. Therefore, you are filled with Him, and you have power. But the power that you have is not to exalt, exalt yourself or to use your authority over other people. Look at what the power is given for in verse number 8. Uh, in verse number 8, it says, After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be what? God gives you power for the sake of helping other people. That's the difference between satanic power and power that comes from the Spirit of God. That's the difference between an unclean spirit and and the clean spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. The difference is one is for self and one is for others and for God. And so you in your life, when you're looking at, I just, I need this. I I need to have this. I want to take the power. I want to, listen, you need to stop and go, why do I want the power that I'm looking for? What am I going to do with it? You know what the answer is? If you're submitted to the Spirit of God, you'll take the, the power that God gives you to open your mouth and be a testimony for Jesus Christ. So, so let me just say this much about the devil's power. It's very real, and it's something that can be uh, attractive even to a child of God. Simon was saved. He had just gotten saved. You can say he's a baby in Christ, but he was still saved. And yet Peter addresses him and says, man, your heart's not... You know, what? I, I guarantee you what probably happened to Peter was uh, right when he looks at Simon, he's probably thinking to himself, I remember a while back when the Lord looked at me and said, get thee behind me. And he said, buddy, you've got the same problem I did. Peter saw it when he, he, Peter knew it when he saw it. And so what I'm getting at is this, just because you're saved does not mean you can't be influenced. All right. Uh, Simon was, Ananias and Sapphira were. All right. And, And so satanic power is real. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but it's not just, you know, the overt witchcraft t- stuff. It's also found in how we go about I- I'll say to you, let me put it to you this way. Uh, look at the story of Saul and look at the story of Absalom. You know what Saul was? Saul was a manipulator of authority. You know what Absalom was? He was a stealer of authority. Do you know what that, that, that it always points back to the devil. The devil always wants to take authority where he does not give an authority. And uh, matter of fact, go back in your Old Testament. Go, if you would, to... Uh, 2nd Samuel chapter 15 2nd Samuel 15 2nd Samuel 15 You know God wants you as a child of God to have power but he wants you to go about it the right way. And the way to go about it is to submit yourself. Now, you know what you want to do? As soon as that S word is mentioned, it's like I don't need to submit. I can I don't have to, you know, be under something or under somebody. The the truth is this, you're always under something or under somebody. The question is whether or not you're submitted to God. If you say, I don't want, listen, you know what it says in Psalm chapter 2? The, the, the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together, saying, uh, we, let us break their bands of sin, or let us cast away their cords from us. You know who the kings of the earth are talking about? God. <laughs> They're saying, we're not going to be under God's authority. So you know who they fall under? The devils, the Antichrist. That's the prophecy there in Psalms chapter 2. The United Nations is going to lead the world into Armageddon and all that stuff. You say you can't get out from under authority. You're always going to be under it. The question is, are you under God's authority? And if you're not, let me say this. I'll say it this way. If you're under God's authority, you won't have a problem submitting to the authorities that God tells you to submit to. And whenever you have a problem submitting to the authorities that God places in your life, that's when you need to watch out and go, man, I'm playing with fire. Uh, look at 2 Samuel chapter 15 and notice uh, this story here is about Absalom. Absalom, if you're not familiar, Absalom is the son of the king. Uh, Absalom could have had a right to the throne. He might have had a, a passage to the throne. Uh, but Absalom does things the way that sometimes we do. Like, like I, I know I could get there, but it's a lot of work and I'd rather take a shortcut. And I'd rather just, you know, let's not just cut through all the, the time it's going to take to do it the right way. And let me just take what I want right now. It's kind of like the prodigal son. You know what he says? Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So you know what he does? Okay, son, here you go. It wasn't supposed to be given until the man dies, and yet the son's going, I want it now. You know what that tells the father? All I'm good for is the stuff I provide for you, huh? So the father gives it to him. You know what that man realizes later on in life? I burnt through everything. Why? Because I didn't go about it the right way. Second Samuel 15, let me show you here a little bit about Something that I think, I think it's a, the, the spirit of Absalom is something that we all have to wrestle with a little bit. And you know what it is? I want power and I want it my way. God says, I want to give it to you. Yeah, Lord, I know, but it's going to take time and patience and submission. And I don't want to do that. I, I just want what I want. and I want it now. Second Samuel 15, look, if you would, at verse number uh, three. And Absalom said, oh, this is great. Uh, go back to verse one. I'm sorry. It came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and Fifty men to run before him. You say, what's he about to do? Overthrow the government. You say, who's the government? His dad. Oh, man, I would never do that. Hold on. Hold on. Does your heavenly father ever want something for you, and you buck at it? And you push back and say, I'll do it my way? See, the spirit of Absalom is alive and well in all of us. You've got to fight it. And, 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 and again, what you, you're dealing with is, you're dealing with someone that falls into the snare of the devil by not submitting to God's authority. Now, look, if you would, at verse number... Uh, 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 2. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate, and it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said to him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Man, if only the king had his stuff in order, and if only the king cared about you. Are you reading what I'm reading? Luckily, you're in luck today, because I mean, he doesn't care about you, but I do. I do. Uh, you know this stuff happens in, in homes all the time. All right? Dad says one thing, mom goes the other way, or mom says one thing, dad goes the other way, and they con- cause confusion with the kids. That's a dangerous thing to play with. All right? It happens in church. Well, I just don't think the pastor should have. I just don't think, all right, well, you try it on. You try it on. You go ahead and, and, and start a church, and you do it, and you figure it out. And then, until then, just keep your mouth shut and pray for the idiot that's up there in the pulpit. Amen? All right? Because it's not as easy as it looks, seriously. And, and, you're gonna to make, and the pastor has to make decisions sometimes. You know what someone says? I just think, well, you know, I pray for him. He's a good man, and I, I'm not talking bad about him. But I, I don't know. Do you just, you just notice he's, just, he's not around as much as he used to be? And uh, he's going to be gone a couple weeks this summer. I wonder if he really cares about stuff. But you know what? I do. I care about you. Well, let's have a prayer meeting. You want to have a prayer meeting? Let's talk about your problems. Is it awkward? Is that weird? <laughs> now, now, I don't think this ever happens here. I'm being serious, but I've heard of this happening in churches. Yeah. And all it is is someone, go, a frustrated ambition, I want the power. I want the, and, and you know, let me just say this much. Sometimes you don't want the power that you think you do. God gives you what you need when you, when you need it. Uh, but but notice what happens here. Look at verse number four. Absalom said, moreover, oh, that I were made judge in the land. Man, guys, I, there's no one here to help you, but maybe if they voted me in, maybe then I could help you. That every man which hath any suit or cause might come to me and I would do him justice. Oh, you're not getting justice now, but if you got me in power, you'd get it. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, that means they bowed to him, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him, and on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the kingdom for judgment. Watch this. So Absalom, what's the next word? You say, "What is that?" That's taking authority and power that doesn't belong to you. And you need to understand what that is. Ultimately, is that's something that comes from the devil. Now, the devil's power—you need to understand this—it's limited to time. He's not going to have it eternally. Look at Revelation chapter twelve. Revelation chapter number twelve. Thank God, He's not going to rule for eternity. Amen. Uh, That's that's God's position. Look at Revelation chapter twelve. And uh, during the tribulation, the devil is uh, cast down to the earth, and he's angry. Why is he upset? Why is he angry? Uh, Because he knows some things that maybe some Christians aren't really aware of, and that is that uh, there's only so much time left. Look at Revelation chapter twelve, and look if you would at verse number twelve. Therefore, rejoice ye heavens, and in ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the sea and of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath. Why is he so upset? Because he knoweth that he hath but a what? So the devil has power right now, but it's not going to last forever. And we ought, to stay, we ought to rejoice over that, guys. The tempter will be banished We'll lay our burdens down. It, uh, so, but, uh, but understand this. He, he's created here. We understand that he falls in, in, uh, uh, from heaven. Lucifer falls. Uh, but let me just say this much. He's not cast into hell right now. People oftentimes have this picture of the devil being in hell. He's not in hell. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. The devil, uh, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may what? Devour. All right. He's alive and well. Uh, n- so right now, the Bible talks about uh, spiritual uh, wickedness in high places. Uh, and you understand that as it relates to where we're at right now, that d- this is the G-O-D, little g. The God of this world. That's who's running the show right now. Someday, this is, going to be God's, this is going to be God's kingdom. All right? But until then, it's not. You know who's running it right now? The devil. And, and he's got but a short time, and he knows it. All right and so what 's going to happen right now? we know this is where we 're at right now. the devil's uh, walking about, seeking who may devour uh, God casts him down, uh, and during the tribulation for a short time, the Lord comes back uh, at the second advent, not the rapture. the rapture 's over here. when he comes back, he takes the devil, uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet and throws them, in the, uh, throws them into the, uh, into hell He takes the the, the, the devil, puts him in the bottomless pit. Now what is it, what happens at the end of that thousand years, and you can argue with God why this is? I think the, the best answer I've got is this. During this time, you still got free will operating. And you know what God wants? God wants people that want to follow him, not people that have to follow him. And while there's free will on the earth, he goes, Okay, I'm going to give you one last shot. You want to rebel against me? Take it. And so the devil's loose loosed for a little season. Revelation chapter number 20, there's a battle called the Battle of Gog and Magog. Uh, and, and then you've got, after that, the Lord basically just says, You know what? Enough of that. Uh, he calls down fire, destroys him, destroys the uh, the devil uh, and sends him into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And, ever. and you ought to say amen to that. It's a blessing. Uh, and the great white throne judgment takes place here. Then after that, you are out into eternity. So you know what you know about this? You know what the devil's power is? It's limited. It's finite. It's limited to time. So you know what that means? The battle's right now. You, you, you lay your burdens down when you get there. You, you exchange your cross for a crown when you get there, if you did it the right way, all right? But, but the idea is this. Right now, what you're dealing with is you're dealing with someone that wants to destroy you. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he cannot do it to your soul, but he'll do it to every other aspect of your life if you leave those doors open, all right? And so understand that his, his time is right now. I also understand this. His power is not just limited to time. It's delegated. In other words, uh, God's the one that gives it. You may argue with God about that if you want to. You can say, well, God, why do you allow that? Uh, I believe it's the same reason why God allows free will on this planet. Uh, He allows free will within those beings that were angelic, and he gives free will to us as well. If he didn't do that, we'd be robots. So you know what happens? There's a a number of the fallen uh, angels that follow the devil, and those things, as we understand them throughout the scriptures, those are the things that the Bible calls devils, uh, we use the word demons. The Bible doesn't use that word, but basically same idea. Unclean spirits. What, what, are they, what are they there to do? They're there to do as much damage in your life as possible. You go past, you're getting kind of spooky and kind of weird. That's what Paul talks about. Look back at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, the devil's power is delegated. You say, how do you know that? Well, we, we looked at the story of Job last week. Not going to look at it again. Uh, but, but the devil knew that God had made a hedge about Job, and he had to get permission before he could just go in. So you understand the devil only has power because God has allowed him to have it during this time. And it's not going to last forever. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Look, if you would, at verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, over and over and over, when Jesus Christ shows up uh, uh, after the resurrection, you know, he says, the spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. Flesh and blood is always going to be a reference to fallen mankind, all right? As a matter of fact, over in 1 Corinthians 15, he talks about flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You know what that means? You can't go there. You cannot inherit the kingdom of God in the physical body that you're in. That's why 1 Corinthians 15 is about you getting a resurrected body, Amen. all right? So, so in the meantime, though, in the meantime, understand this much. You've got a fight on your hands, and the fight will give you it at verse number 12, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, where? In high places, In high places. all right? And I'm going to make a little bit more mention about that as we go further into the study, uh, but let me, let me give you this thought as well. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Uh, the devil's power is limited to time, is delegated from God. And let me also say this, it is inferior to God's power. Amen, amen, and amen. All right. uh, And I I mean this. uh, The Lord is uh, the one that carries us to the winning side. Uh, We are winners. We are champions more than conquerors because of Jesus Christ, uh, because of him that loved us. And you can overcome. As a matter of fact, there are men and and people that John talks to in his epistle that overcame the wicked one. Uh, Look at 1 John chapter 4 and look, if you would, at verse number uh, 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the. You know who that's talking about? The Prince of this world. It's talking about the devil himself. What the power that you have inside you through the Holy Spirit. All right? It's not a power that like I'm going to levitate you know, and I'm going to do this magic stuff. No, it's not about that. It, the power that's inside of you is one that leads you to, to go in the right direction and says, hey, listen to this still, small voice when I'm saying, don't look at that, don't think about that, speak about me. Uh, let's talk about Jesus. Let's encourage somebody. Let's quit that gossip. Let's stop that bitterness. You say, what is it? That? That's power to do the right thing. That's what the Spirit of God gives you in your life. And so if you are submitted to that, you know what that does? It allows you to overcome the fiery darts of the wicked one. And we might delve further into the mind and the heart and all that stuff in the, the weeks to come. But I, I simply want you to understand, you can, as, as Paul says, overcome evil with good. With good. How do you do that? By submitting yourself. You say, why? Well, because the enemy's going to attack you. And he's going to attack you through a, a number of means. But let me say this. Those attacks are Strategic. You see, how, how do you mean by that, preacher? He's going to come to you when you're isolated, when you're tired, when you're weak. When, I've literally watched people have, go to church, get a blessing. Something happens after church. Someone says something. Someone does something. And by from the time you left the altar to the time you get to your car, you, you're like, I need church again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let me say this. That's not an accident. That's strategic. Uh, let me say this when you take yourself and you isolate yourself whether it's because of sin in your life or whether because you you don't want to be around church or whatever it might be whatever thought you give yourself to justify kind of isolating yourself can i say this what you're doing is you're putting a big target on your back you know what the devil wants to do he wants listen you know what lions will do lions will go and attack the smallest of prey you know why? They want the easy job. They want to tear into the flesh and eat what they want. They want a, they want a happy meal, man. They want a, a drive through They want a fast food is what they want. And whenever you are willing, as the Bible says, to resist the devil, what does he do? He flees from you. But whenever you're running in the opposite direction of the Lord, you isolate yourself. And when you isolate yourself from a local church community, when you isolate yourself from godly influence, when you isolate yourself from the word of God, when you isolate yourself from right, rightful thinking, what you end up doing is you put a target on your back and you say, devil, come pounce on me. And he will. And he'll shoot those fiery darts at you. And the idea is simply this, is that you need to understand the devil is strategic. About how he's gonna attack you. He's not gonna, he's he's not gonna do it when you're at your highest. He's gonna wait until you're in a vulnerable state. You ever you ever tried to, you know, ever dealt with whatever's going on in your life? Maybe you got a lot of work going on, and you're tired, and all of a sudden you find yourself thinking in a way you wouldn't normally think. And before you know it, you're kind of thinking about church differently, think about God differently, think about the Bible differently, you think about souls differently. You go, man, what's my problem? I tell you what the problem is you're vulnerable. And what you need to do in those situations is run, run in the right direction. Don't run in the wrong direction. Don't isolate yourself. Uh, let me say this. Not only is, is he strategic, but I'll say this as well. He's subtle. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. You know what the greatest defense you have against the devil is truth. You live in a day and age where people say, well, it's my truth, and it's their truth. And that's, no, no, there's only one truth. It's God's truth. As a matter of fact, David talks about his truth in the second person talking about God, all right? And, and so that's the only person that has a claim to my truth, and that's God himself. Uh, look at Second Corinthians chapter 11. The devil is subtle. If I came to you and said, hey, I got a job, it'll give you 30% more in salary, you have better benefits, better opportunity for your family... Uh, They provide, you know, uh, tuition reimbursement. Uh, It's 100% medical covered, so on and so forth. Who doesn't want that? Oh, but there's one catch. You can't go to church anymore because it conflicts with your schedule. Oh, God would surely want me to make more money. Maybe he would. But how are you going to go about it? It makes all the difference in the world. The devil's subtle. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Look, if you would, at verse number 3. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent... What's the next word? He, He lied to her. He deceived her. Beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The word subtle is defined as sly, artful, cunning, crafty, uh, planned by art, deceitful, treacherous. He shows up, Yea, if God said, right? You say, what is that subtle? He doesn't show up and say, worship me, da, 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 da. He doesn't do that. I think if he did that, nobody would pay attention. And nobody would be like, well, that's, that's kind of weird. I, I don't want to do that. You know what he does? He takes this one bite at a time and gets you to think about this and plants a seed in your mind here, puts a seed in your heart there. And before you know it now, it's not man, my family, the family of God, my family in Christ. It's those people. So how does that happen? I'll tell you what happens, one thought at a time. And, and, and the devil is very good at whatever the thing is. Look, for some of you, like, when I mentioned unforgiveness, it's like, oh, I don't struggle with that. I forgive everybody all the time. Praise God. I love people like that. I'm not people like that, but I appreciate that. Maybe you don't struggle with that. Maybe your issue is lust. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's envy. You look at what someone, God's doing in someone else's life, and the devil comes along and goes, how come you don't have that? How come they have that? You don't think you deserve that? You deserve to have you know, a nice house. You deserve to have a nice car. You deserve to have a nice job. How come you don't have that? And you're still serving God, huh? Come on, don't look at me like I'm talking to like, a room of nobody here. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. And before you know it, you start going, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how about that? <laughs> and you start thinking a certain way, and before you know it, man, you're out in left field. How about this one? You deserve to be happy. Sounds good, doesn't it? Is the point of life for you to be happy? You know, I, I, would, I, would, I would challenge you with this thought. Those who actually make it their point in life just to fulfill themselves are often the most miserable people in the world. But the devil will convince you if you could just make yourself, if you could just pursue that. Just, You say, what is it? He's subtle. He's subtle. Look if you went to Second Corinthians chapter number 2. Second Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Look, if you would, at oh, verse number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm sorry, Go uh, verse number uh, 11. Verse number 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. Now, I don't think this is super deep theological ideology here, but if if Paul mentions Satan getting an advantage of you, you know what that means? It's possible. The reason he warns about it is because he's watched enough Christians that he's led to Christ and he's helped disciple, and he's watched them go off. And he's going, hey, you don't want to do that. Now, if you study the context of 2 Corinthians 2, it's actually about unforgiveness within the body of Christ. And so, do you understand that unforgiveness is one of the greatest channels for the devil to get into your life? All, all that being said, the point is this. He's saying, look, there are some things the devil's going to devise just for you. I and mean, when, you, when you look at this word, look at this word, guys. Device. What's in it? <laughs> the devil's in it. All right? You know what he does? He puts certain things together just for you. And you go, well, I'm not that important. Well, when you start growing in the Lord and you start caring about souls and you want to do something for Jesus Christ, whether you like it or not, you're going to get the attention from the wrong side because you're effective. You ought to want to be effective for Jesus Christ. You, you ought to want to lead people to Christ. You ought to want to see life change. You ought you to w- desire that. The Spirit of God wants that. The new man inside of you wants that. But when that happens, understand the devil's going go, okay, well, you know what, I can't get them with this, and I can't get them with this, and I can't get them with this. So you know what I'll do? I'll let them think that they're the best Bible scholar in the world and no one can touch them intellectually when it comes to the Bible. They're the best preacher in the world. And you know what? I can't get them to fall with lust. I can't get them with drugs. I can't get them with alcohol. I'll just get them with pride and intellectualism. They'll get you with something if you don't have your defenses up. You know, I I know I've said this before, but I'm going to tell you again. The Bible says knowledge puffeth up, but charity what? Edifieth. And so you got to watch out for that. He's there to steal, kill, and destroy. And he has devices, things that he crafts just for you. And, and we can look at a number of those in the weeks to come. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is this He's real. And he wants an entrance point into your life. And whether it comes through here, or whether it comes through here, or whether it comes through here, can, can I suggest this? I know we did recently a study on music. Every single time that I've ever done that, James is my witness. God, God's my witness, and James is my witness, too. All right? Every time I've ever done this, that music series, somebody gets offended and leaves. Every time. And, and it's from the Bible. It's about what the Bible says about music, and yet it offends people. Here's why. Because you've accustomed yourself to listening to certain things without having a discerning ear, and you don't question it anymore. So when God goes, here's the smelling salt. Have some discernment. You go, I don't want that. You have to be careful what goes in here, and what goes in here, and what goes in here. You know why? Because that's how the devil's going to get in. And, and you go, well, the devil can't get in my life. I'm saved. Well, we've already been through that, guys. That's not how that works. Uh, this context in Second Timothy chapter two is about people, Christians, that are taking captive of a man as well. You know what the problem is? Go back to that passage one more time. Second Timothy chapter two. One more time. You know what the problem is? The problem is not being able to acknowledge the truth. I, if you can't do that, and I'll tell you this right now, I have no problem if if, if the Holy Spirit uh, exposes sin in Brother Joe's life and Joe wants to get it right, and he says, I'm an ungodly, wicked sinner, and I'm terrible, I'll be like, yeah, amen. That's right. Yeah, amen. Right. Well, yeah, that's right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But but, but when the Lord's putting it on me, it's like, well, Lord, you don't understand. I mean, the, the, this person said this, and they, they did this, and I, I heard this, and then it went to this. And Lord's like, yeah, but now you're just making excuses. You didn't do that for Joe. you are doing it for you. The hardest truth to accept is the truth about you. You know why you don't have a problem with me talking about transgender people if you're not transgender? Because you're not transgender. You know why you have a harder time listening to a message about gossip than you would about homosexuality if you're straight? Because you're not a homosexual. Yep. You know why you have a problem with gossip? Because man, that hits home. Because we all struggle with that. So the idea is this: you need to learn to take truth, whether you like it or not, and apply it to your life. If the shoe fits Cinderella, put it on. Uh, look at look at Second Timothy chapter two. Second Timothy chapter two. As we close, close kind of. There's just one last thought. Sorry. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter two. Look if you would at verse number uh, twenty-five or verse yeah verse twenty-six. I'm sorry that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive uh, by him at his will. Go back to verse 25. If God, peradventure, halfway through the verse, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the what? You know how you break chains? You acknowledge truth in your life. You have marital conflict? I'm not saying it's all you, but if if, if you're part of it, look in the mirror and go, this is what I need to change. If you've got conflict in your home, if you're a teenager, I'm not picking on them, but inevitably it happens, and you're button heads with mom and dad, ask yourself, are they asking me to do something against God's word or not? Because if they're not, you know what my answer ought to be yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Oh, that's old fashioned, preacher. We're not, it's 2023. Yeah, I know the world's going to, you know, wearing a handbasket. I just don't want to go on the crazy train with them. I'd rather stick with the book. And the Bible gives a way to deal with these things the right way. Otherwise, you end up doing you end up falling into the trap of the devil. Now, let me give you this, Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. Sometimes the day seems long, our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur, and despair. But Christ will soon appear and catch his bride away, all tears forever over in God's eternal day. Amen. You know one of the lines from that song, Life's uh, day will soon be o'er. All storms forever past will cross the great divide, A glory safe at last, will share the joys of heaven, a harp, a home, a crown. I love this part. This is my favorite part. The tempter will be banished, we will lay our burdens down. Uh, look, if you go to Revelation chapter 20, I like knowing how a story ends, don't you? Uh, we've got someone here that uh, works, they're an employee of Casa Bonita. they're feeding me secrets here and there. I'm like, oh yeah, oh. You say, why? We just want to know how the things end. You know, when do I get to the, when does the restaurant open and people want to know like what happens in the end? I'll tell you what happens in the end. The good guy wins, the bad guy loses. Look at Revelation chapter 20 and uh, look if you would, Revelation chapter 20 and uh, look if you would at verse number uh, tw- uh, seven. And when a thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loose out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth Gog and Magog to gather them together to battle number of whom is as the sand of the sea and they went up on the breath of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city of Jerusalem and a fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them look at verse 10 i like this and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone To be with his company where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And they keep going on. Amen. And and you know what we'll be enjoying forever and ever and ever? The company of Jesus Christ. The company of sinless people. I can't wait for that, guys. It's going to be great. And you know why you ought to enjoy church? You go, we're not sinless down here. I understand that. But we're attempting to walk with Jesus Christ. And here we are from all kinds of walks of life. And you know what I think heaven's going to be like? I think heaven's going to have uh, 24-7, instead of Fox News and CNN, it's going to be like, watch you know, the, the, uh, the uh, 24-7 testimony news network, TNN. <laughs> Where it's like all, all, the, all around the clock about you know, how Joe got saved, how Tony got saved, how Thomas got saved, how Eric got saved. Now I think that's going to be, man, let me tell you how I met Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever. And, and, you know, to be able to enjoy that, what you have to do is you have to remove evil from the environment. And so someday, evil will be removed. Until then, you know what I'm going to tell you to do? Fight the good fight of faith. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Brother Joe, since I I constantly use you as a terrible sermon illustration, could you dismiss us in a word of prayer? Okay. (laughs)